you're listening to the Glow Radio Podcast. I'm Jacqueline, a spiritual baddie and astrology nerd. You can expect raw and unfiltered conversations around trauma healing, relationships, astrology, health, and career. I'm here to share my resources so that you can truly turn your dreams into a reality. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Glow Radio. Today, I have an exciting guest with me, Maggie Tatum. This is a very special episode because I feel like it was a really kind of divine encounter. She reached out to me on Instagram. She's an empowerment coach, and we had a virtual coffee day. We just hit it off really well. She's also a Pisces. I feel like we're going to dive into some astrology in this episode later on. But yeah, so welcome, Maggie. Thank you so much. I am super excited to be here, especially after our conversation last week. It was so good. Totally. I'm also very much excited. So Maggie, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do for anyone who doesn't know you? Yeah, so I um, I grew up in the like super conservative South, Christian South. Um, and my parents like mercifully allowed me to be who I was and like to fully embrace my weird and to ask questions and to challenge authority and to be curious. And like, to be honest, I just like loved my childhood. I was like, constantly playing outside. Um, I was fully embodied in who I was. Like when I look at all the pictures that my mom took of me, I'm just like, you know, covered in mud and wearing boys clothes and like wearing a tutu while I'm like on my typewriter. And it's just like all of these like beautiful expressions of me were so vivid and alive until I hit like, I guess maybe pre-puberty when I really begin to realize like all the things that I loved about myself were the things that, you know, made me weird and made me not a part of the group and made me not fit in. And so as this like desire to fit in and find belonging, find acceptance got stronger, I started like axing off these whole parts of me and many of them parts that I truly loved. And through this process, like I became somebody unfamiliar to me, unfamiliar to like that core of who I was. And I did so many things along the way that uh, just took me further and further away from myself and took me into a place of like deep self-hatred. And that like included, you know, I found out really early that it didn't matter how fucking weird you were as long as you were like beautiful, right? So I was like, okay, well I can just like, not eat anything and exercise excessively and then I'll look the part and then people won't you know be concerned with my socioeconomic class or like how weird I am and so I got really obsessed with like what I looked like and also through academic achievement I was like this is how I can get people to pay attention to me and how I can receive like love and adoration um and so I just basically found myself on a road of like perfectionism and like self-denial and I did everything that I thought I was supposed to do in order to get love and belonging. And I was miserable. And my life, I sort of just like set it on fire. I was like, this is, I feel so cheated. I've done everything on paper that I was supposed to do. And I feel empty. 
and I felt lied to, I felt betrayed. Um, and that was pretty much my, that was like the darkest, the darkest of the dark nights of the soul for me. And um, about four years ago, I really started this intense journey of finding out what, what was really out there for me. And so that's pretty much the core of my work is everything that I've learned in the past I mean, in my whole lifetime, but in this intensive study I've done in the past four years, like for two years of that, I was in pretty much total isolation, like doing hours and hours of study and in like intensive work a day. And I bring like so many different modalities and topics and strategies to the table, because that's like what I've just, I've just been enveloped in it for the past four years. And, um, the shit works. And I can tell you like healing that, that part of me healing the shame around like who I was and the pieces that I cut off of myself that I felt were unworthy of love. Like it's been just the greatest gift. So that was a really long answer, but yeah, that's like the, I, the core of the work that I do is like teaching women how to find themselves again and, and love themselves for who they are and create a life that they love living. That's awesome. I love hearing the long stories. <laughs> That's good. So I have so many questions about just like the details of your process. So what at what point made you decide that you wanted to coach other women? I feel like I've been doing this like when I was like living in Costa Rica, people would my friends would come to me for advice and they would call it Maggie's mouthfuls because I would just like I, somebody told me that I had like auntie energy that I just give unconditional love, but like the shit that you need to hear. And so I, I think I've been a teacher. I was teaching, I taught elementary school in New York city. I taught elementary school abroad when I was living in Costa Rica as well. It's very much in my nature to teach. Um, but I found that I was feeling really unfulfilled in these teaching roles with so many rules and regulations and shit that you had to follow and teaching things that I wasn't necessarily that interested in. And so when I realized that I could use this like teacher archetype inside of me to teach things that like, I'm like extremely lit up about and passionate about that, I was like, of course that makes perfect sense. So um, really in the past year and a half, I've been exploring like committing fully to this as a career. I think before it was just like something that I was doing naturally. Um, and I, even as like a young kid, like I had like older adults coming to me with their problems. Like, I feel like there are some people like that, you know, it's like people just come and tell you shit and you're like, whoa, like I don't really know that you need to be telling me that. But I feel like, yeah, that's sort of been the role that I've played my whole life. Um, but I mean, it's, it was one of those moments where it was like, of course, this makes perfect sense. This is what I should be doing right now. Yeah, I remember you said you're in your natal chart because you have a Sagittarius moon, which mm -hmm. I feel like is a very like teacher sign. <laughs> and I think you have, since you're a Libra rising, I think you have a Cancer 10th house. Is that right? I think so. Because you're the same as my my boyfriend, actually. He also has a Sagittarius moon and a Libra rising. That's why... I kind of connected the 10th house to be 
cancer and I do feel like that matches exactly what you're saying about just how you love to teach how you like to show unconditional love like those two signs I feel like really embody those characteristics which is awesome it's like you're really living your truth it feels like you know I just got chills when you said that it's like yeah it's I've been working a lot with this phrase of just like of course like, of course, this thing that feels so good to me is like written in the stars. Of course it is. You know, like it just makes when we're in the space of like this thing that I'm doing makes perfect sense. I am in total alignment. It is mirrored everywhere. Right. It's just like echoed through through so much else. So, yeah, that's really affirming. Yep. You're totally right. Awesome. <laughs> so you said you kind of uh, focused more on it as your career in the last year and a half. So is it your full time role right now or are you doing anything else yeah so I'm still doing some uh teaching I really like I just love like I'm teaching some kids right now um speech and debate it's been and I'm also teaching um Fahrenheit 451 and James the Giant Peach to these kids and it's just like I just love it it really like lights me up because another part of my vision and my mission in this lifetime is to elevate young minds and to allow them the space to explore themselves and explore the world in a supported container, right? Like kids are going to come across hard shit. They're gonna experience things that are really challenging. And our goal as guides for them is not to shield them from the pain and hardship of life, but to support them in navigating it so that they become resilient rather than reactive and afraid and angry. Um, and so we can't keep them from the lessons that they need to learn, but we can provide the container to allow them to explore it with support. So that is still something that I'm doing and it really like that lights me up a lot right now too. Um, so I'm doing both right now and it's amazing like how much like there's overlapping between the two and how it's it really is sort of a shared a shared skill set more so than one might think. Totally and I love that I love that you're kind of doing different things that are kind of similar. Like it shows people that you can do more than one thing at a time. Cause I feel like in the past, I don't know, a lot of the, I guess the information that was given to me from society was that like, you have to niche down and pick like one topic or whatever. But I find that that just doesn't work for me, but it might work for some other people. But I was like, I don't feel like I'm supposed to pick one topic in my life. So I'm really glad that you're kind of showing that and living that in your life. It's so incredibly limiting. I was just, I wrote a post today about like purpose and like the, this sort of like toxic illusion that like we're meant to find our purpose out there and our purpose is going to be like one thing that we get to monetize so that we can be one of the unique people who gets to like, you know, gets paid for the thing that lights them up. And it's like, you don't have, like your purpose is to be you, is to stop blocking yourself from your fullest expression and to explore all of the shit that lights you up. Like not just like find one thing. The world is constantly changing. You're constantly changing. What you want is constantly changing. So to like niche down so far so that you're only focused on one thing, I think it's just like super limiting. Totally. And I feel like 
Yeah, I'm so glad that I realized that now too. Like you said, we are always changing because in the past, I feel like I usually focus on one topic for a while and then I kind of move on to something else. Like in the past, I was interested in fashion, then it became fitness and then like spirituality. And then now it's kind of morphed into other stuff. So yeah, I used to be really hard on myself for changing my niches, quote unquote, but then I realized that it's a good thing to expand and just evolve as a person. And as you're saying that, I'm just like, isn't it beautiful to look back on those things that you were doing? Not as like, oh, I got that wrong. Or like, I wasn't right. Like this wasn't actually for me, but as like, this was something that I was interested in then that I have like evolved out of. Not that it was like the wrong choice. You know, I feel like we look at like everything in the past is like, oh, that wasn't it. That wasn't right. This is not the right thing for me. It's like, well, it was then though, you know, like it was something that you were interested in. So what's wrong with that, that you grow and evolve? Like, I think we get to normalize changing our minds a little bit. Exactly, exactly. Oh my goodness. That just resonates with me so, so much. So when you started doing all this studying and just healing, what were some of the first few tools that you used? I dove into like astrology first and um, I got very quickly overwhelmed with it. And I like tried to take some courses, um, but that was the first way of me, like let me explore myself because I didn't know I had been pretending to be someone that I wasn't for so long that I was like, I don't even know who I am. I don't know what I want. I remember calling a friend of mine um, who was a manifestation coach. And I was like, I don't know what I want. I just know what I don't want. And she was like, well, that's a start, but it's not going to get you to what you want. You know, if you're constantly being like, that's not right. And I don't want that. And that's not good. And I don't want that. So I was like, I'm never going to be able to find out what it is that I want until I find out who I am. And so that was the first work I dove deep into astrology. I still like know very basic, basic astrology because it is just like such a vast field of study. Um, I dove into that, I dove into tarot and mostly like the tool that I use that has been the most transformative that I think is like hands down, you cannot skip it. And look, I know this is just my perspective. Like, do you do you, but journaling, like I have volumes and volumes of journals filled up of me creating space to talk about the shit that was going on with me. And a lot of that started, you know, it's like, okay, well, you can just pick up a journal and journal. What I was focusing on specifically was like, what am I feeling? What are my emotions? What's happening inside of me right now? And what are tr what's triggering these emotions? Sorry, that was my dog sneezing. <laughs> what's triggering these emotions? And what are the stories that I have attached to them? So I began like excavating this like just catalog of limiting beliefs and stories that I had about myself and about the world and what I knew to be true. And through this process, like I can tell you, I will no longer say that I like know something for sure because everything that I feel like I have been so sure about, I'm like, you know, I'm, it's been drawn into question. And so like, I really, instead of that being terrifying and scary and like so uncertain and unsure 
I evolved in this place of like curiosity, but that took a really long time. And initially when I was doing this work in the study, I was alone. I was like barely like newly separated from my husband, barely making enough money to like pay rent and eat. I was living in Costa Rica. Like I didn't have money to invest in a coach. I didn't even know that I should, that I needed a coach. I just knew that I needed something. And so, um, that was, I mean, that's, those are the first like solid tools that I dove into as a means to explore the parts of me. I love that. Those are all such great tools. So what are some of the limiting beliefs that you first realized that you had? Um, yeah, here, let me, I'm just going to close this door so the dog doesn't keep Sounds good. <laughs> um, so some of my limiting beliefs, the big ones, like, Ooh, what were the first ones that I realized? Um, or just some big ones that are prominent. I mean, worthiness is a big one for me that I needed to perform at a certain level in order to be worthy of love, in order to be worthy of receiving love. So I'd always been excellent at everything that I tried. And I actually specifically would never try something that I didn't think that I was going to be excellent at. I could not embrace or hold space for failure because my entire identity and the way that I received love was based upon excellence. So that was a big first, like, holy shit. Like, I do not think that I'm worthy of love. I do not think that I'm lovable. And there are so many, (laughs) I traced so many different stories around that one. And I think that's really, that's why it's the core of my work is like, we are inherently lovable. There's nothing that we can do to make us not lovable, no mistake that we can make, no nothing. And we don't, you know, by the same token, we don't have to earn it. And so that was a big one for me. Another one that was like, life has to be hard, right? Like you have to work hard. You have to really earn and like scrap for every single thing that you get. Shit is not given to you for free. That was a big one. Um, my parents are both really hard workers and, you know, I uh, obviously understand the value of working hard at something that is fulfilling to you and like learning that as long as I continue to have this belief, my life is going to be really hard. That's what I'm going to see. And so rewriting that one became immediately important. And I think another (laughs) limiting belief that I had was like, if I can think about something enough, then I can have control over it. Not the case, right? Um, And that like goes right along with my perfectionism that if I could just like, you know, (laughs) observe everything closely enough and overthink enough and like consider every possible negative outcome that I could somehow avoid it. But that just, you know, sent me into like anxiety and depression spirals because of course like the only thing that I can control is myself so those are three of the the biggies that I've worked on um and yeah I think one of the I think the first one that maybe I realized was that like I didn't believe that I was worthy of love which is so sad (laughs) 
Oh my goodness. I feel like I also had all of those same limiting beliefs that you just mentioned. And sometimes they still creep up like that worthiness one. Oh my God. It's, it's very deep rooted. Cause I used to think that I need to work like super hard for everything I want. Like I have this very entrepreneurial spirit and I would in the past work like a nine to five and then come home and then do some type of side hustle until like you know 11 12 and then go to bed and then literally I would have no rest so I was like so burnt out doing that and yeah now I just live so differently like I lie in my bed a lot more than I used to (laughs) if I'm tired and you know, I don't force myself to do things anymore. It was so funny. Like I used to like look down on people who would watch Netflix because I was like, why are you not doing a side hustle? Why are you not doing something with your life? But yeah, I realized that it's okay to enjoy your life and rest. I mean, that's the point. Like, honestly, the more I reflect on it, it's like, what, like y'all, with all the stuff that's going on here, like if enjoying this life is not the point, like, you know, what is the point to suffer? That can't be right. I can't align myself with that. Like it's gotta be joy. It has to be because it's the only thing that's like, that I want to live for, you know? For sure. So I also want to know about why you were living in Costa Rica during that time. Could you tell us more about that? (laughs) Yeah. So I was actually just talking to somebody about this earlier today. I was teaching in New York City. I had 32 students. Um, Half of them were special ed. Half of them were general ed. All 32 of them were ESL students. It was like, it was a hard ask. I was, you know, I'd only been teaching for three years. I was like working 16, 17 hours a day. Um, I had been going to grad school at night at the same time. Um, And I was also like extremely miserable. So I was partying very hard and on the weekends. And so I was getting no rest and my body shut down. I started, um, I ended up in the hospital with like an undiagnosed gastrointestinal illness, Um, maybe TMI, but I was like bleeding and it was scary and they couldn't find out what was wrong with me I didn't have a parasite a bacteria a virus I had nothing everything came back clean and so they wanted to put me on all of these like autoimmune drugs like heavy duty ones and um I remember being like so you're telling me that there's nothing like no lifestyle changes that I can make in order to like deal with whatever this undiagnosable thing is, which I was like, clearly this feels like stress to me. This feels like my body is like, we can't do this anymore. But they were like, no, it doesn't matter if you change your diet. It doesn't matter if you like change your lifestyle. You just have this thing. And I was like, you don't even know what the thing is. You can't even name the thing. So how do you know that? And like, I was really at my like ropes end. And so I like actually stood firm and I was like, I'm not taking this medication. I quit my job. I moved down to Costa Rica that summer, um, at the end of that summer. And it was like, you know, I, before my mind caught up, my body was saying like, 
we can't, we're done. This is not, it's not working for us anymore. And finally my mind like started listening to like this soul whisper at the time, like there's gotta be something more. And this was another huge like assault to me and my identity because I thought teaching was such a noble thing to do. I thought that like I would feel so fulfilled and like my work would feel so valuable that it would like keep me afloat and it didn't. So it was just, it felt like another lie um, and another big failure. And I was like, I can't do this. And so I left and I, the goal was to find out what else was out there. And I don't know why Costa Rica, I literally can't tell you it like the thought, I, I don't know where it came from. Perhaps divine. I mean, I do believe that everything that happened there was absolutely divine. Um, the good, bad, and the ugly. Uh, but I went there to like, basically what happened, I fell apart there. I fell apart big time and like just lit fire to everything and then rebuilt it from the ground up. And I am so grateful for that because it's like just this, like it was an incinerator and then it was like this beautiful womb. Um, and again, like, I don't know, we picked the town just because it was cheaper than another place. And like the town, I met so many people, like, I can't explain to you how magnetically drawn to this place I was beyond the realm of understanding that I, like, I still, I still am other than saying it. So that's how I ended up there. And it was like the best thing, best decision that I ever made. Wow. And how long did you live there for? I was there for four years. So I just moved back a couple months ago. Wow. Do you miss it? <laughs> I miss it so much. My parents just had their 35th wedding anniversary and my dad took my mom to the beach and I was pissed. I was like, I want to go back to the beach. Like, I don't get to go to the beach anymore. I was like a child. But it really, I mean gorgeous in a way that I truly can't even as a poet describe in words like it's such a beautiful place beautiful people um just a really nurturing energy and like it's on the equator there are so many like volcanoes there like the earth is alive everything is alive so I mean if you haven't been there do yourself a favor it is truly like magnificent yeah, I definitely need to go. I haven't been there before, but it's on the list. It's so good. <laughs> so after you moved there, like, how did you start healing yourself? Well, I had to hit a rock bottom first. So I um, basically partied myself into oblivion because I had previously been working like 16 hours a day. And then moved to this like vacation town where no one was working. And this like, I don't know, idle hands or something like that. What do they say about the devil? Like, I mean, I just had so much time and so much freedom. And in the beginning it felt fun, but towards the end of it, it was like, I am running far away. I am like not running towards something like I thought I was running away from something and I was using partying to continue running away from all the shit that I was like 
still not ready to face. So, you know, I said I moved there to find myself, like that was a lie in the beginning. <laughs> it was like, I wasn't ready. And it took about a year of like deep pain and sadness to really hit rock bottom. And my husband and I separated. He came back to the States and I stayed. Um, and the, that was pretty much it. I was like, well, that was like, I'm I just blew up my life. This is the opportunity that I have to start over. And yeah, that's how, so it took me about a year to get settled into the deep, like conscious daily work that I was doing. Wow. That sounds like quite a journey. So, <laughs> really so how long would you say that it took you until you started feeling better, like physically? Physically? Like probably a year, a year and a half. I like stopped doing drugs. I cut back my drinking drastically. Um, and I've been sober now for almost a year. I was not sober initially. I was not ready for that. Alcohol was like too dear a friend to me and too big a comfort. Um, but physically, like when I really started taking care of myself, it took about a year for me to feel like good in my body again. Yeah, maybe a year and a half. It took time. I mean, I'd done a lot of damage to myself and I was like, I, when I, so I had just gotten married when I moved to Costa Rica and I weighed like 130 pounds. And by the time I got there a few months later, I weighed like 180 pounds. And so this was like the, the inverse swing of like me constantly being worried about my weight, and my appearance. I just like, like gave up everything and just started like not eating like normally like not just not restricting but like binging like if you can call binging just the way that I was eating 24 7 basically so there was a lot of like work physically that I needed to do too so yeah it definitely it, it takes time and I think that the most beautiful part of like that physical recovery was that I wasn't I was no longer by doing the mental work, I was no longer attached to the body that I had, like to needing my body to look a specific way, because I knew that I didn't, it didn't matter what my body looked like. I was still worthy of love. Right. And that was the only way that I was able to continue doing the work that it took to, to like revive myself because I wasn't attached to like an immediate outcome. It was like a long process that I was dedicated to for more reasons than just like what it looks like. I feel like I can relate to that so much because in the past, like I was very insecure about my body. This is probably when I was the fittest I've ever been in my life when I was a personal trainer and I was still like the most insecure. And I would look now I look back and I see like photos of myself and I was like, wow, I looked really great back then. But for some reason, I just hated myself. And I feel like for me, I guess kind of similar to you in the healing journey, I felt like I needed to go from one extreme to the other so that I could understand and just be grateful for what I have. Cause after 
after I finished my bikini competition, I think that's when I really started like the healing towards my, my body, because after that, my body just wasn't the same. Like I damaged my body a lot. Like my hormones were all over the place and I couldn't do the things that I used to, like I couldn't work out. And then I was gaining a bit of weight after the whole competition. And I think by going from someone who exercised like six days a week to someone who like barely exercised just made me realize what, like what I should live for, I guess, if that makes sense. Because I found at that point, I was just more grateful for my health rather than this like idea where I had to force myself to work out and be super restrictive. Yeah. I think, and even not like, look, is this the favorite body that I've ever been in? Like, no. Right. When I look back at those pictures where I was super miserable and like thought that I looked like shit, I'm like, damn, wow. Like I looked really great. I'm doing air quotes here. You probably won't be able to, you can't see me, but like, I am happier now than I've ever been and I'm healthier now than I've ever been. And it feels like to be able to reestablish this like relationship with moving your body and eating well, that isn't like results-based and like, you know, thin body based, it feels so good. Like I used to think like exercise was a punishment, but like now it feels good. Like I like going down and doing a 30 minute bike ride before I would have made myself do like you know, a 45 minute bike ride and then a 30 minute run. And then like, you know, 20 minute abs. And like, of course I was fucking miserable. That sounds awful. Like who wants to do that? You know, like just recreating, like, I think the most important thing that I've learned in this journey truly is like, things aren't bad or good, right? It's all how we perceive them and how we label them and our relationship to them. So like evolving, it's not like, like some people on their spiritual journey continue to drink that's great for them. If you evolve the way that you relate to alcohol, if you continue to use alcohol as a coping mechanism, you know, that's limiting. But if you use it in, you know, in community and as like a fun, like, you know, party, whatever, like fine, it's not good or bad. It's your relationship to it. And the same with like movement, like exercise isn't inherently bad, even though it's triggering for me because I used to over-exercise, like moving my body in a way that feels good is supportive. And I get to evolve the way that I relate to it, which is cool. Totally. I feel like, yeah, that's just such a good mindset shift. And I feel like I wish more people would see that. Mm -hmm. So let's switch gears a little bit here and talk about kind of you in the present. Like, what what are some of the things that you do spiritually currently or what's kind of been on your mind lately? Yeah. So I have like, my practice is constantly evolving and the way that it looks right now is, um, I have every morning I meet with a friend and we share space together for an hour. Um, and it's usually first thing in the morning. And so we'll do a check-in with each other. We're both in business. So we talk about business and then we will like read something that we're both interested in. We don't necessarily read the same thing, but We'll read um, a spiritual text and then we'll spend some time journaling on that text and then doing like some mindset work together and then doing like a debrief. So that's what my like morning practice looks like now. And it's incorporating like 
learning, which I need, journaling, which I need for reflection, um, and community, which I desperately, desperately need. And um, it's been a really beautiful, we've been doing this for several months now, and like, I don't see any reason to stop it because it's just such a great way to start my day. Um, other practices that I do, I am like obsessed with breath work. It is, I like, dude, it's so good. It is so healing. It is so powerful. Um, so I do breath work for an extended period of time, like for an hour, multiple times a week. Um, I do it in short bursts also. Um, that's, I mean, that's the big daddy practice that I'm like super excited about right now. I'm actually getting certified and teaching a specific style of breath. Um, so I'm really stoked about being able to lead others in this process because it's been super transformative for me. Um, other practices that I'm currently using, I am excited for this full moon on Friday. Um, and I, you know, just generally love working with the moon and with those rhythms. Um, and honestly, like I have so many friends and beautiful connections in this like healing community now that they're always offering things and like we can do trade. So I'm like constantly just like, yes, I'll take that Reiki healing and I'll trade you for this. And like, it's just really, I'm, I'm in the space of like, I will take any offering that invites me to go within. So whatever that looks like, I'm just, I mean, I'm kind of like, <laughs> I don't wanna say like a junkie, but that's what it feels like. Um, yeah, I love being in practice, love it. Oh, that's awesome. I feel like that the breath work stuff really intrigues me. Like I've, I haven't really gone into it. Like I feel like I do a little bit from, from some yoga teachers and things like that. But what are some of the methods that you use specifically for breath work? So there are two styles that I like love the most. One of them is called a pyramid breath method. Um, Johan Erb created it and he is married to a coach that I've worked with, Rachel Pringle. Um, so she taught it to me and it is like a very active breath. So you're sitting up and it's like, so you're like undulating your spine, big inhales, big exhales. And you do that for 30, 33 rounds and then you hold your breath at the top and then you hold it empty and like you hold it empty for as long as you can. And let me just tell you like every single cell in your body is just like pulsing, like it just awakens like every, like your whole, the nadis and like all of your energy centers. It's incredible. It is super enlivening, um, but it's kind of intense. <laughs> and this is, I do like, I do that before I settle down into any practice. So any meditation, whatever that I'm doing for myself, I do that kind of breath first. And then I do another style, which is the style that I'm getting certified in teaching is called circular connected breath. So this one is a little more relaxed, but very intense also. So you're laying on your back with your mouth open and your airway open. And rather than breathing into the stomach, you're breathing into the heart. So it's more of a shallow breath. And uh, yeah, you just do this like breath for like an hour. 
and you, it changes the oxygen levels in your body. And like, I've had visions, I've had out of body experiences. I like do this breath every Sunday and plan out all the content that I want to share for the week. And like any download, like I just get so it is like an open channel doing this breath. And it's been super healing for me. I have connected dots that like probably would have taken me years and years to journal out on my own. It is like, it is a lightning speed healing container. And that's like why I'm so obsessed with it. (laughs) That sounds amazing. I feel like I definitely need to experiment, try some of those. I feel like breath work is kind of calling to me. So we'll definitely try some. (laughs) Yeah, please do. I can't, once I'm like certified, I'd love to, to leave you in a session. Totally. I would love that. So what, what are some pieces of advice that you would give someone who is just kind of starting out their spiritual journey, their healing journey? What would you tell them? It's not like, you can't learn all of your soul's lessons in this lifetime. You can't do it. So like, there's not a point in which you're fully healed. There isn't like, you're not something to be fixed, right? You get to meet yourself with curiosity so that you can understand more about yourself and meet yourself also with compassion. There, like, I feel like so many, when I was doing this work alone, which is why it's like, I just highly recommend having a guide and, or, you know, someone to work with. I had a lot of like hatred for the past versions of myself that I was like confronting. And it's really important to, to know that you were always doing the best that you could do. Like every action is attached to a need that you were trying to fulfill. And just because you've had ill-adapted strategies to meet that need doesn't make you a bad person, right? There, you're not good or bad. It's not a binary. And we get to, I think in this process, it's really important to remember too, that like when we let those pieces of ourselves go, there is a grieving period that we often don't hold space for. And so it is like, it's heavy work. And I think that it's important to remember that, yeah, we can do the cleaning. We can do the excavating. We can do the deep work. But I heard a tantric teacher say this once, like you also get to decorate, right? You get to, it's not like, (laughs) we can't treat this like, like everything else that we've been programmed. Like once I get here, then I deserve to find happiness. It's like you deserve happiness now. You deserve joy now in the, in the exact form that you are in now. You don't need to heal in order to get there. So I think keeping that in mind that like, it's not, there's not an end result, right? You're constantly evolving, constantly unpacking deeper and deeper layers. Healing is not linear. And like, if you don't enjoy the journey, you're not going to enjoy life. So it's not about the outcome. I was listening to another podcast a few days ago and the guy was like the point of doing the dishes is to do the dishes not to have clean plates at the end so like think about that right because I'm like the point of doing the dishes is so that the dishes aren't dirty anymore so I have the clean plates no if we view it as like the point of doing the dishes is actually doing the dishes and we can assign that to everything else in life the point of me doing this work is for me to do the work not for me to be healed or not for some outcome, then we're able to detach from the outcome. 
And oftentimes the outcomes that we want come a lot faster when we're not just like strangle holding, like waiting for this thing to come. Oh, that's so good. I feel like that is just such helpful information because I feel like I used to always be so focused on the outcome and like hated the process. Mm -hmm. But the more that I learned to enjoy it, it really helps me enjoy life better, like you said. Yeah, it's supposed to feel uncomfortable. It's not supposed to feel great, you know, like you're stretching. It's going to feel, it's going to feel uncomfortable. Totally. So just before we end off here, I want to ask you, where can anyone find you online? What are your social medias, your website? Tell us all about that. Yep. So you can find me. Instagram is my preferred. I like don't use, I mean, I show up on Instagram. Social media is like tricky for me. Like Instagram is my, my bread and butter. That's, that's where I put all my energy. Um, I'm not one of those people who can like spread it out all over the place. (laughs) And that's just my truth. So you can find me on Instagram. Um, It's Maggie Tatum. It's Maggie Tatum. I-T-S-M-A-G-G-I-E-T-A-T-U-M. I took a few weeks off. I'm back now. I just moved. So I'm like hitting the ground running. I put out tons of content um, daily, constantly on my stories sharing downloads that I get like through breath work, um, really utilizing that space as a channel to be able to share the wisdom that's coming through um, and to connect with people. And yeah, I use that space. I do free meditations every Wednesday um, that are saved to my IGTVs. I do chats on Friday. We actually did one last Friday. Um, a lot of times it's me, but then a lot of times I have great guests uh yeah so that's that's where you can find me on instagram perfect awesome i'll leave everything in the link uh every uh, thing in the description to awesome. all the links and stuff so people can find you well thank you so much for joining me today thank you this is wonderful <laughs> i feel like it's always from the few conversations that we've had they've just been so enlightening and it's just awesome to kind of find someone who's on a similar path and also healing and learning. It's just awesome. Yeah, I agree. I feel like one thing, I don't know, I I ache for community. Like that is like my core wound is belonging and feeling like I don't, you know, feeling alone. And so shockingly through COVID, I have like made I don't know, when we like transition to being fully online, it's like so easy for me to connect with more people. And I'm really, really grateful for that and to be in community with you. Me too. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. This is awesome.